I Hate the View, Episode 2. Mr. Reagan. There are some job opportunities right now that no one seems to want to fill. Replacing White House Chief of Staff John Kelly. <laughs> but reports say that they're scrambling for a replacement, according to Individual One, who tweeted. You got a new name for it now? <laughs> <laughs> no more you-know-who, he's That's now right. Individual, individual One. Individual <laughs> uh, Whoopi is talking here, of course, about Donald Trump. I noticed this in the previous video that I made, the first episode of I Hate the View. Whoopi Goldberg does not say the president's name. She will not say Donald Trump, she will not say President Trump, she will not say Trump. This is such a petty thing to do and such a sign of Whoopi Goldberg's weakness of mind. A person who cannot say the name of their enemy is not prepared to speak objectively about that person. If Whoopi Goldberg is so disgusted by just the name Donald Trump, this reveals an emotional lack of control so severe her bias should undermine any credibility she would otherwise have. When asked about the reason behind her inability to say the name of the president, Whoopi Goldberg does not provide a particularly compelling answer. You never say his name. I don't. Why? Uh, I can't. Really? It's only one syllable. I know. Do you think that it, it somehow honors him to use his name? In conjunction with that word, yeah. You mean president? Uh huh. I yeah. see. Yeah. But you recognize that he is the president. I, you know, I. He's there. So basically, there's nothing noble about what she's doing here. She does not say the name of Donald Trump just because she doesn't want to. What I find particularly funny about this is that in not saying his name, she actually elevates Donald Trump's status. You give him an air of power. Fear of a name only increases fear of the thing itself. Whoopi Goldberg believes that she is taking some kind of a stand against Donald Trump by refusing to say his name, but in reality, she is reinforcing the importance of President Donald Trump in the minds of her viewers. And not only that, but she refers to him as Individual One, as if he is the number one person in the world. It would be funny if it weren't so sad. Many over 10 are buying and waiting for the position. Why wouldn't someone want one of these truly great and meaningful jobs in Washington? Uh The question is, do they want the job in Washington with you? That's the question. You know, a lot of people criticize Trump for firing a lot of people in government, but I actually see this as possibly a good thing. You want the right people employed at such a high level. If you find that somebody isn't doing their job optimally, or you just think that somebody else might be able to do it a little better, or maybe you just don't get along with them particularly well, it's not a good idea to keep those people around. You need the absolute best people possible in every high position of government and you need them to work well with you and with everybody else. It's actually kind of funny how much Whoopi Goldberg hates Donald Trump. It's kind of strange because historically, up until about the 2000s, you couldn't really openly hate the president of the United States on network television. Network television has always historically taken a position of neutrality. And look, obviously, Hollywood is very far left these days, But I think it's kind of crazy that they're willing to let the host of a daytime talk show, which is not supposed to be a left-wing political show, but simply a light-hearted daytime TV talk show aimed at stay-at-home moms. I think it's crazy that they would let the host of a show like this insanely berate the president of the United States day after day after day. 
she refuses to say the man's name. Like, are these people so unconcerned about ratings that they're willing to give up an enormous amount of their viewership because people become so disgusted with Whoopi Goldberg and Joy Behar that they're unwilling to continue watching the show? Because amongst married white women, Republicans are the majority. Has ABC simply decided that they're only going to target black women from now on? Is that the new target demographic? Have we just decided to alienate large segments of the population? The show, being a woman's show that broadcasts during the day, already excludes men from their target demographic. Now they're excluding white married women as well? Who's next on the chopping block? I mean, I guess they can do whatever they want with their show, but it's a bad idea business-wise. I mean, it's good for me, I gotta make fun of them. And that might be actually part of their target demo, people who hate them. They might just think, you know what, everybody's gonna watch us because we're controversial and crazy. And I suppose that's fair. Nick Ayers, who was chief of staff of Vice President Pence, was apparently the one asked to be the chief of staff for President Trump, and the one that Ivanka and Jared wanted, and they have a big say in these picks. And he said no to it, which was, in my, when I saw that alert on my phone, that was the biggest sign to me that there's concern inside the inner circles of the Pence world and maybe even the Trump world that you don't want to go down with a sinking ship if that's what's going to happen. These two women, Meghan McCain and Abby Huntsman, they astonish me every episode of the show that I watch. I didn't include the last clip of the show, but it was basically Meghan McCain and Abby Huntsman defending a few people in the Trump administration. It's almost like there's a rule. You're allowed to be Republican. You're allowed to defend people that your dad like. You're allowed to be an establishment conservative, but you are not allowed to like Donald Trump. You're not allowed to defend Donald Trump. You're not allowed to say anything positive whatsoever about President Donald Trump. If you do, you're fired. So Abby Huntsman, who seems very much like a decent person, jumps in here with this Nick Ayers speculation. We don't have any idea why Nick Ayers turned down the chief of staff offer, but of course leftists assume that it's because Trump is the devil and some people don't want to work for the devil. But actually, they have no idea. Abby Huntsman seems to include a lot of these types of news stories on the show. That seems to be her job. It's like they told her, you don't have to condemn Trump all the time outright like the rest of us. You just have to set us up so that we can do it. You feed us the news stories that will eventually lead to some kind of defamation of Trump's character, and we'll do the rest. It's like they're all assassins and Abby Huntsman's loading the guns. It's like you don't actually have to shoot anybody. You just have to make sure the guns are loaded. I believe that the poorest people in the world should be taken care of, that the middle class oh, should have a stake. Don't. It's Wait a second. Can I finish? Go ahead. Go ahead. Yes, go ahead. I, I, I use the model of Scandinavia, where people are taken care of. Their colleges are paid for, child care is paid for. When they're out of work or they're down on their luck, the society takes care of them and gives them a leg up. I believe oh, in that. Here. I do. I, I've, I've experienced it myself. After I was fired from my many jobs, I was, uh, at the, I was privileged to be able to collect unemployment insurance, for instance, which took care of me while I got my foot oh, up. Careful. Excuse me. Mm -hmm. Which I got my foot up and, oh. you know, I started walking again. Yeah. And I think that those kinds of things help people. If that's a democratic socialist, that's what I am. Mm -hmm. All right. We'll be back. This is a perfect illustration of the left's fundamental case that they pitch to gullible young Americans to convince them that the left has a good heart and is sympathetic to the plight of the unlucky, the marginalized, the oppressed. If Joy Behar's liberal philosophy ended with a desire for the federal government to help people out with unemployment benefits, I don't think I would really want to argue with her all that much. If we were both senators and I wanted some deregulation or something, and she wanted unemployment benefits for people down on their luck, I think we could come to a beautiful arrangement. But Joy Behar's liberal philosophy does not end there. 
I did a somewhat deep dive into Behar's history of political expression on TV, and this is what I've concluded. Joy Behar is a 1980s-1990s style hardcore Democrat. I don't think she is the radical bigot that many on the left are today. I don't think that she hates men. I don't think she has any natural hatred of white people or white culture. I don't even think she's completely anti-Christian. What Joy Behar hates is Republicans. I think Joy Behar was raised in a Democratic family. She grew up Catholic on the East Coast, and Catholics have traditionally been Democrats in America. So I think that's a safe assumption. In college, Joy Behar became an atheist, and she has consistently ridiculed Christians and Christianity on her various shows. She has a particular antipathy towards Protestants and Evangelicals. Joy Behar has been completely and totally indoctrinated into the 80s and 90s democratic message. She's completely convinced that the straight white Christian man, old by the way, is naturally bigoted. She thinks that white people are naturally bigoted against black people. She thinks that men are naturally bigoted against women. She thinks that Christians are naturally bigoted against homosexuals and Jews and other groups that she considers marginalized and victimized. Joy Behar has bought into this idea that there are these victim classes and there are these oppressor classes, and she's completely bought into the leftist narrative that straight Christian men are the oppressors and everybody else is the oppressed. It recently occurred to me that many people on the left have pre-existing biases that they then justify and legitimize through an excavation of the sins of the past of the group that they happen to be biased against. So a feminist who hates men might hide her bigotry for many years until perhaps she goes to a left-wing college or starts to be influenced by these other feminists who give her a lot of reasons why she can now be more open about hating men. They tell her to look at all this oppressive behavior that men have engaged in for so long. They tell her that, look, the resentment and the hatred that you that you might feel within you is not unjustified, but it's actually the result of men being evil throughout history. Then you get this radicalized feminist who openly expresses her hatred of men. And the same thing happens with people when they, they maybe have a, a resentment of American culture. This tends to be true of people who are maybe not super popular growing up, or maybe they had a hard time in, in some way or another, and they felt marginalized. They, they grew up feeling like there's something wrong with society because they were not valued in the way they feel that they should have been. So they've got this resentment of mainstream society. And then these leftists convince them that this is the product of Western culture, of white European society, the evil white patriarchy. They convince them that white people are the problem with the whole rest of the world because of colonization, because of slavery, whatever. The same thing happens with Christianity. All of society's ills can be leveled against Christianity. It's all Christianity's fault. It's all white people's fault. It's all the fault of men. So I used to think that most leftists were naturally pretty neutral people. They were indoctrinated into this ideology. But my realization was that the reason this ideology is so popular is that it is drawing out people's pre-existing biases. If you already resent men, you are much more likely to accept the idea that they are the cause of all the problems in history. If you already have a pre-existing bias against white people, you're much more likely to accept the idea that white people are the cause of all the problems in history. If you already have a pre-existing bias against Christianity, you're much more likely to believe that Christians are the cause of all the problems in history history. However, I don't think that's true about Joy Behar. I actually think that Joy Behar was pretty normal before her indoctrination in college towards these radical ideas. 
What makes Joy Behar particularly annoying is not her deep bigotry against men or white people or Christians. The reason that Joy Behar is so annoying is that she thinks she's funny, and that actually becomes a huge problem when somebody is trying to be genuinely critical of a political party, especially when they have a huge public platform to do so. Joy Behar comes from the Joan Rivers school of comedy. Joan Rivers, when she was young, was a very attractive, sweet, looking woman. She found that if she would say vulgar and shocking things, it would make people laugh. My cousin, fascinating story. Uh, she was 77 years old. Never married. 77, never married. Fooled around, you know, but never married. <laughs> and a lot of the time, it worked really well. Joan Rivers was pretty darn funny. Joy Behar is like a watered-down version of Joan Rivers. She seemed to cop on to this, if you say shocking things, it'll be funny shtick. The problem with Joy Behar is that she was never as funny as Joan Rivers. So instead of her comedy making her into a huge comedic success, Joy Behar found that if she would say shocking and offensive things about men or white people or Christians or especially Republicans, she would get a great reaction from people who hated those groups. And so Joy Behar went from being an unfunny comedian to a leftist provocateur. So I don't really think that Joy Behar is an evil person. I just think that she's completely and totally delusional about politics. I don't think she really understands that much about it. But because her income has for so long been dependent upon attacking the right wing, she has become unbelievably loyal to the Democratic Party. She's embraced and praised and loved by the Clintons and all these left-wing politicians and operatives. Democrats are like her extended family now. When Joy Behar defends the Democratic Party, she's defending something that she's completely affixed to. She has zero objectivity. Joy Behar's hatred of Trump and the right wing and Republicans and her complete and total blind acceptance of the most radical and hateful ideas about Republicans is all due, I think, to her blind allegiance to the Democratic Party. I think Joy Behar believes that she is an open-minded, intelligent woman who thinks for herself and fights on behalf of the little guy. And it's pretty sad because I do think she genuinely wants to help the little guy. But this blind allegiance of hers, her loyalty to the Democratic Party, it's completely compromised her ability to see the world objectively. I feel like this is the kind of thing that some people in Nazi Germany went through. I'm sure that there were some very well-meaning German people who completely bought into the Hitler thing, truly believing that the Nazis were going to make the world a better place. To me, this is exactly what these blind allegiance Democrats are. They're these joiners who have bought into the cult. They've drank the Kool-Aid. They've, they've given themselves up completely to this ideology, and they've given up any possibility of ever seeing the world as it truly is ever again. They're wearing the Democratic goggles. I really don't think it's any more sinister than that. I don't think Joy Behar is like a strong bigot or anything like many on the left. I just think that she's loyal to the party. I do think that there is some bigotry that she has toward Christians. When she grew up, she was a devout Catholic. She's now a strong atheist. She's the typical atheist who looks at Christians and thinks that you guys all believe in fairy tales. And she sort of holds herself in higher esteem than that. She thinks she's intelligent. I've heard her on many occasions talk about how intelligent she is. I don't think she's that intelligent, but she's convinced that she is probably because she's more intelligent than most women that she's met over the years. I think Joy Behar, because of her arrogance and because of her indoctrination into leftist ideology, her feminism, her atheism, she does sometimes fall into the trap of bigotry against Christians, white people, and of course men. I submit the following as evidence. We have to, these people in Congress right now, in that Senate Judiciary Committee, these white men, old, 
by the way, mm -hmm. are not protecting women. They're yeah. protecting a man who is probably guilty. Behar has also said that Republicans are only interested in retaining white power in this country. White power. That's, that's what she thinks. And she famously ridiculed Christianity on The View, calling Mike Pence crazy for thinking that God speaks to him. I have a proposition. I don't know if you'll agree. <laughs> so uh, his base liked the wall because he promised Mexico was going to pay for it, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. So now that Mexico said they're not going to pay for it, he could actually open up that very fat wallet he talks about all the time and start the ball rolling, yeah. right? He could pay some, he could put up 10% down, 10% down, or because he's a construction guy, he could just get it built. Yeah, yeah. Oh, come on. I mean, how hard can it be for you to build the wall and then pass the hat? You know, maybe put a GoFund the wall page up. <laughs> I mean, I mean, come on. Funnily enough, there actually is a GoFundMe border wall page. It has raised $18 million in two weeks and will likely raise the most money of any GoFundMe page in 2018. You said the American people did not have to pay it. So why are you now saying you're willing to shut everything down to get it? Because you know that means it's going to come out of our that pockets. was truly the campaign promise, right? It was, that, I'm going to build a wall one. and Mexico is going to pay for it. I might be overly optimistic here. I might place too much faith in the power of Donald Trump, but I genuinely believe that he will get Mexico to pay for the wall. This is how I think Donald Trump plans to do this. I think that Donald Trump will have the wall built using American tax dollars. Then, after several of his other national and international policies are implemented, Donald Trump will reevaluate the various funds that our government sends to Mexico every year. I believe that, in Trump's mind, any money that we stop sending to Mexico or any money that we are able to save through negotiating new trade deals with Mexico will eventually be calculated as money that is then going into the building of the wall. So although Trump is not directly getting money from Mexico that has been directly used to build the border wall, that doesn't necessarily mean that the promise is being broken. Because that was truly the campaign promise, right? It was, that, I'm going to build a wall one. and Mexico is going to pay for it. And maybe that's perhaps why everybody got behind it. No, that's not why everybody got behind it. Everybody got behind it because it's a good idea. Honestly, even if Trump is unable to get Mexico to pay for the wall, I really don't have a huge problem with that. I get that Donald Trump speaks with a lot of bravado. He likes to overpromise. In Donald Trump's book, he actually states that he likes to underpromise and overdeliver. And I think that he's honest when he says that this is a policy that he likes to live by. However, oftentimes we tend to live by policies that we're not always able to follow exactly. Now, I'm not saying that this is a justification for him not keeping a campaign promise, but I don't think that anybody cares that much about the Mexico paying for a part. I think that Trump's base is far more interested in the wall just getting built. I don't even think that when Trump said, I'm going to get Mexico to pay for it, we all immediately believed him. I think most Trump supporters thought the getting Mexico to pay for it thing, uh, that was just like the icing on the top. Because they didn't think they were nah. going to pay well, for it. Well, I think he also has care. an ego, obviously, about the fact that he's not been able to follow through with something that he's promised his base. And he, he looks at the polls and sees that a number of his base still wants that to happen, even if it means shutting down the government. I thought well, they, they have, the base hasn't really gotten anything else. This is all they, I mean, the taxes didn't really go down. Mm -hmm. You know, their air is getting polluted. Um, they, 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 we don't have any friendships around the world anymore. So what, what did the base get? Except maybe the wall. It's like a hope against hope. Maybe they got we'll the hats. This. Maybe this time. <laughs> you know they what? got the hats. They, got, they didn't get what they thought they were going to get. Taxes did go down. The air is not getting polluted. And we do have friends around the world. And anyway, Trump's base isn't asking for clean air. We, we are not asking for friends. The air is perfectly clean. We don't need more friends. What we need is a president 
who will put America first. And that's what we got. I mean, what is Joy Behar smoking? How is she unaware of any of Trump's accomplishments? Economy, good. ISIS, defeated. North Korea, appeased. Two Supreme Court justices, confirmed. He's deregulated more than any other president. He got us out of crappy trade deals. He got NATO to stop ripping us off. He moved the U.S. Embassy in Israel to Jerusalem. He's cracked down on dangerous, criminal, illegal aliens like MS-13 gang members. Did I mention we have effectively zero unemployment? And these are just a few of the things that his base is happy about. If you don't know what you're talking about, Joy, just don't talk. But I guess if you followed that advice, you wouldn't be talking about much. So we got more proof that America's turning into a reality show yesterday when cameras at the White House caught the guy who lives there facing off with White House Democratic leader Nancy Pelosi and Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer over his border wall. Take a look. 20 times you have called for, I will shut down the government if I don't get my wool. None of us have said it. You want to know something? You've said it. Okay, you want to put that on my... You said it. I'll take it. Okay, Okay, good. You know what I'll say? Yes. If we don't get what we want, one way or the other, whether it's through you, through a military, through anything you want to call, I will shut down the government. Okay, fair enough. And I am proud, and I'll tell you what, I am proud to shut down the government for border security, Chuck. I thought yesterday was, first of all... The American people were the losers yesterday because it was pathetic. But I actually thought the people that came out looking better were Nancy Pelosi, uh, particularly because I think she went in there, she went toe-to-toe with the president, she was composed, and she flipped the argument back on the president by getting him to admit that he is going to shut down the government. It's going to be his fault. That's something he's done to the Democrats all the time. The real losers were the American people. What are you talking about? And then she says that Nancy Pelosi came out on top What? Okay, first of all, Trump was talking to Chuck Schumer when he turned it around. And secondly, Chuck didn't turn it around on him. Trump took the opportunity to exploit Chuck's cowardice to look passionate. What press conference did Abby Huntsman even watch? It's very weird that Abby Huntsman and Meghan McCain are on this show. They're supposedly conservative, but they seem to take every opportunity they can to kiss Whoopi and Joy's old asses. I can only imagine that this is like job security for them. I feel like these women have just sold their integrity. They're appeasing these crazy leftist matriarchs in order to cling on to a paycheck. Also, she was compassionate. She said, look, let's not do this in front of the press. Yeah. Protecting him from his own bad stupidity. This actually made me laugh out loud when I first saw it. Joy Behar truly thinks that the reason that Nancy Pelosi didn't want to do this in front of the press was because she was protecting Donald Trump from his own stupidity? It was a trap, you idiot. Donald Trump tricked Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer into doing a press conference in which they publicly and transparently debated the merits of the border wall. The Democrats don't have a reasonable argument against the wall, so any public debate that is had between any conservative and any Democrat is going to make the Democrats look bad. Nancy Pelosi knows this. This is why she didn't want the debate to happen in front of the cameras. She wasn't being compassionate. She was scared. She, Joy Behar actually thinks that Nancy Pelosi is like a good-hearted person that's trying to help Donald Trump. I mean, somebody needs to protect Joy Behar from her own stupidity. Who invites the press in? That's what I thought was interesting. He did. He He did. did. So if they're the lion press, 
how do you, I don't know, like, I don't get it. Like, either they're lying and you don't want them there, or they because are. Because it's a reality show, well, and yeah. if you yes. don't have the cameras, then we are not entertained And what was today. fascinating was he There is a difference between a live broadcast and political commentary by reporters. Despite the fact that Donald Trump believes that the press produces mostly fake news, he still needs outlets to express himself. The press does not actually know that Trump is going to make a fool out of Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer when they bring their cameras to a press conference. Trump knows that the media is going to try to make him look bad, but he still needs media outlets to communicate with the American people. And I'm sure he didn't believe that Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi would be willing to do a press conference with just Fox News. And then I thought he really, it was, he got a master class in politics, except he was the student and yeah. not the teacher. Right. And then and again, on top of it, he says I, he I got set up. Yeah. He was like, I was like, how is it a setup when you set up the meeting in front of the press? Well, this sort of thing is just weird. They do this on The View quite a lot. One of the ladies will say something that I've never heard before, and so it's very difficult to refute or comment on. But fortunately for me, I'm sitting here at home, and I have time to research these things. <laughs> so I typed into a search engine, Trump, Pelosi, Schumer, setup. I wanted to read about what exactly this woman was referring to. I'm sure you'll all be shocked by this, but I found absolutely nothing. Full disclosure, I did not spend all day desperately scouring the internet for Trump's statement that he believed this was a setup, so it's possible that I missed it. But I don't think so. I think that this woman heard something wrong, and now she's talking about it passionately on her show as if it's actually news, when really she's just an ill-informed lady who doesn't know what she's talking about, screaming and yelling about the president, whom she clearly hates. And when you know that she doesn't know what she's talking about, it's really cringy. She's harshly ridiculing Trump for something he didn't say. It's really quite embarrassing. I, I want everybody to really kind of watch this, because... If they shut the government down, we are all that much further back. Mm -hmm. It pushes everybody that much further back. Oh. Military families are doing without. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Government workers are doing without. It's yeah. not good for anybody. Well, the government is shut down currently, and everybody seems to be doing just fine. I don't feel that much further back, and I don't think that anybody is doing without. I wouldn't mind shutting down the government for the rest of the year, to be honest. Individual One lost another ally yesterday. The head of the National Enquirer, David Pecker, claims the paper made hush money payments to the playmate Karen McDougal so she didn't hurt his presidential campaign. It was allegedly set up by Michael Cohen, who was just sentenced to three years in jail. So you know who just tweeted that he never directed Cohen to break the law, never asked him to do anything. He, and he says, Michael Cohen is just trying to embarrass the president and get a reduced sentence. It's kind of late now, right? <laughs> Didn't they just already sentence him? He was sentenced exactly. already. <laughs> well, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think Cohen's story was initially laid out after sentencing. My guess is that, and I think this is a natural assumption to make, is that he came up with the story in order to get a lighter sentence, and now he's sticking to that story to attempt to keep away from a perjury charge or, you know, to have to go back to court and get an even harsher sentence. Makes perfect sense that Michael Cohen would stick to the story that he told the prosecutor, which granted him the initial leniency in sentencing. But, of course, this is beyond the imagination of the ladies of The View, because in their minds, Donald Trump is guilty of everything. It doesn't matter what evidence we have or what actually happened, according to Whoopi Goldberg and Joy Behar and the other crazy ladies, he's absolutely guilty of everything all the time. No. And also, he forgets, Trump, that they have 
have uh, documents and phone calls. We heard the tape of the two of them about arranging the payments. A lot of things. He, we heard him say to, to Trump, "We're going. I'm going to talk to you about the t payments." And yeah, you heard the tape of the two of them arranging payments. Lots of people arrange payments to lots of other people for lots of things. Arranging payments to people is not illegal. A lot of feminists get upset by the metaphor of hens clucking. However. There is a reason for this metaphor. This is exactly what this sounds like. You know what I'm talking about? about to be a victim. Though. I'm not. He I has know never what someone said to me. These women are speaking very quickly, and they're not making any sense. They're just saying a lot of emotional nonsense that gives the impression that what they're saying is sensible to other women. But in reality, they're just reinforcing their own biases. They're like a bunch of racist white guys at a Klan rally, all reinforcing the idea that black people are inferior. One guy's like, oh, black people are inferior, right? The other guy's like, yeah, I think so too. Well, that's crazy. I thought, I mean, we all think the same thing. It must be true, guys. And that's what these women are doing. They have these strong biases and they're reinforcing them by discussing them between each other. Well, since we all hate Trump, Trump must be evil. Let's just throw any kind of objective reality out the window and just stick to these feelings. And this wouldn't be a problem if they weren't influencing millions of women on television every single day. And that's why they need to be held accountable by me. I don't know if you saw this clip. Excuse me, one minute. I don't know if you saw this clip of Orrin Hatch, the esteemed so-called senator from Utah, because what he said to the reporter, the reporter said, well, you know, the president, uh, Michael Cohen, the president, they might have committed crimes, you know. Mm -hmm. I don't care, he said. The president's doing a good job. Where have we come when a senator from Utah is saying, I don't care if he committed a crime. Joy Behar is, unsurprisingly, mischaracterizing Orrin Hatch's statement. Here's what Orrin Hatch actually said. It doesn't bother you these, these crimes that he allegedly was involved in, the president, that doesn't bother you? No, because I don't think he was involved in crimes, but even then, you know, uh, you can make anything a crime under the current laws. If you want to, you can blow it way out of proportion, you can do a lot of things. He's the president, shouldn't he be following the laws though? Yeah, he should be following the law, we all, we all ought to. On the other hand, uh, when you run for president, no matter what you do, they'll claim you're not following the law. And I think we ought to get to where we support our presidents and when they're right and uh, quit trying to destroy them just for political reasons. So basically, Orrin Hatch believes that any crimes that Donald Trump has been alleged to have committed have been some kind of distortion of the law or an exaggeration of Trump's criminality. And he's absolutely right. So of course he doesn't care. And anyway, the crime in question was a campaign finance violation. That's like Nancy Pelosi saying that she doesn't care that Barack Obama committed a crime even though he was caught speeding. You know what, I don't care if Obama was caught speeding and I don't care if Donald Trump was caught in a campaign finance violation. The only reason that you care is because you are a degenerate POS. Objectively, no one should care whether or not Donald Trump committed any campaign finance violations. Beyond that, Nobody's even really sure whether or not what he did was a campaign finance violation. I'm absolutely convinced that it wasn't. And then, even if it were, even if it were, one would have to believe that Donald Trump read and understood every campaign finance law on the books, which nobody in the world thinks or believes. That's the whole reason you have a lawyer like Michael Cohen, so that you don't have to read those, those laws. Lawyers are supposed to navigate those waters for you. That's what you pay them for. And look at how Joy Behar just dismisses her co-star here. <laughs> like she's some kind of empress, and, and this co-star is her servant. 
Excuse me one minute. She seems like a lovely person to work with. Excuse me one minute. She actually shushes this other woman in order to make Trump look bad. She literally demonstrates that she is a bad person in order to accuse Donald Trump of being a bad person. One thing I love about The View is that it is rich with irony. The White House just canceled their Christmas party for the press. Oh my God. I'm like so upset about this. Do you think it's because of all the headlines you think <laughs> but but the the question of would you go if you were invited you know I'll i always say that the white house is not trump's house the white house is the country's house yeah someone needs to remind him of that way. would you go if you were invited whoopi no i i don't like going to the white house i know that sounds crazy but i'm not i don't like it, it makes me uncomfortable i went to and it doesn't Obama matter who's in there, there. Right. It, it doesn't matter who's in the white house there. makes just, you uncomfortable yeah is it because it's a target yes yeah i know you yes mm. i gotcha and i'm you know look i can't help it Okay. Yeah. Meaning like I've watched too many movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is why you can't watch ID Channel. No. You should not watch movies. They have great. You know, because yeah. you start, you know, because that's how my mind they works. Have so Whoopi Goldberg just admitted to being clinically insane. She cannot go to the White House because she is afraid of being killed by terrorists. <laughs> that said, she is against building a wall in order to keep terrorists out of the country. So she will sacrifice incredible experiences like going to the White House and spending time with the President of the United States of America in order to protect herself from terrorists. But she will not take common sense measures to protect other people from terrorists. But hypocrisy and selfishness aside, how can the producers of this show take this woman seriously when she has just admitted to being paranoid? Let me restate this clearly. Whoopi refuses to go to the White House because she's afraid of being murdered. Whoopi Goldberg is insane. You know, most people uh, admit that they've regifted. Even, you know, whose son. <laughs> Junior. Junior. <laughs> he admitted that his dad does it to him since they have the same initials. <laughs> So Trump re-gifts to his son, yes. Bobby Jr. The gifts yes. that, right. that Junior gave to him yeah. the year before. Right. Uh, yeah. Well, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't pay Uncle Sam, so why should he buy his son a gift? <laughs> <laughs> this show is comedically biased. Look what they've written on the bottom of the screen here. Don Jr. says his father is a re-gifter. It's like even something so innocuous as re-gifting becomes a serious accusation on The View. <laughs> Well, they didn't do that much on this episode, I guess because it was like a Christmas-themed episode. They didn't want to inundate you with too much Trump hate. So that's it for this week's I Hate The View. Because I'm just starting the series, the I Hate The View series, I'm learning a lot about the ladies of The View. It's not the most enjoyable thing to watch episodes of The View all day long, but it definitely gives me a good insight into their motivations, into their thinking. As I continue to develop this series, I'll have a better idea of where all the women are coming from, and I'll be able to explain to you guys in more depth their motivations and their thinking. The patterns that I see emerging are obviously a strong hatred for Donald Trump, I think the most rational one on the show is Abby Huntsman. She seems to try to take a neutral position in every instance. But she doesn't have much courage of her convictions. She never seems to argue with Whoopi Goldberg or Joy Behar. Her only defense of Trump seems to be a more rational exploration of Trump's possible motivations and the possible ramifications of Trump's actions. She very rarely, if ever, contradicts Whoopi Goldberg or Joy Behar's crazy assertions about Trump being a bigot or 
the apocalyptic ramifications of anything Trump might do. Meghan McCain is much more of a fighter. She will passionately go after the other women on the show, but never about Donald Trump. Meghan McCain's problem is that though she seems pretty conservative on many issues, she's so anti-Trump that she is oftentimes just as bad as Joy and Whoopi. She'll say a lot of crazy, hateful things about Trump that are absurd. Total mischaracterizations of things that he said and totally negative assumptions about Trump's motivations. So Meghan McCain is a tough one. On the one hand, I agree with her on a lot of the issues a lot of the time. But most of the time on the show, they're trying to cut down Donald Trump and Meghan McCain is right in there with them. And I can't defend her on that front. I'm going to have to, throughout this show, attack Meghan McCain because a lot of her attacks on Trump are just as irrational as the other ladies. All right, well, that's it for me. Thanks for watching. If you like this show, make sure you give me a thumbs up. If you want more like this, please subscribe. And if you hate me, just remember, it's not hatred you feel. It's called cognitive dissonance, and that's because I'm altering your worldview. It's an uncomfortable feeling. My advice? Go with it. <laughs> Happy New Year's, everybody. Good night. Joy! Go ahead. No, you do. You, you look beautiful. You have a certain lunch lady who won the lottery file. <laughs> just gorgeous. You're a New York icon, Joy. Yeah. You're like a subway announcement. You're loud, we hear you every day, and you don't make any sense to people from the Midwest. <laughs> okay.